Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Brian Peacock back again on this Thursday edition. We're getting into the defensive side of the ball, taking in everything we saw in Indianapolis, combine workouts, winners and losers from the combine on the front seven on the defensive side of the ball. Defensive linemen, edge guys, tackles, and linebackers. Some of those players are a little ambiguous. Are they tweeners? Are they... True off-ball linebackers, are they edge players? Are they interior defensive linemen? Are they edge guys? So we'll get into that. Uh, Eric Armstead extension talks, and we'll do a little bit of a mailbag as well on today's program. You can find me and get involved in these mailbags on Twitter, at BDPeacock. You can email LockedOn49ers at Gmail. And of course, you can find this podcast at LockedOn49ers.com or all of your favorite podcast apps, just like any show here on the Locked On Podcast Network, including Locked On NFL, which I also co-host alongside former NFL scout Matt Williamson. If you want to hear more on my thoughts on the Tom Brady talk, which I think is somewhat nonsense, and I know it's hard for people to comprehend and wrap their minds around, man, it's the first time in literally 20 years that Tom Brady might not make sense for some football teams, and I think the 49ers are one of those teams with Jimmy Garoppolo. If you want my full thoughts on that and reasons why, you can tune into Wednesday's show with Nick Winkler. We cover that uh, quite a bit and a pretty in-depth of why Tom Brady to the 49ers doesn't hold any water. And most of these reports are all spec. All of these reports are, are speculation. There's actually no hard evidence that the 49ers are interested there. The only evidence we have is that both players in the locker room, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch themselves, are publicly behind Jimmy Garoppolo as much as you can be publicly. And Ian Rappaport on NFL Network saying, quote, I just have not been able to substantiate any interest from the 49ers standpoint besides saying, yes, theoretically, anything is possible. The only problem is the 49ers like Jimmy Garoppolo, too. So he's got zero sources that are saying this is anything real. So everything involving Tom Brady, pure speculation at this point. Until there's more news, there's really nothing to talk about there. And I don't expect that to be the case because all indications, you look at the numbers, everything points to Jimmy Garoppolo being the guy for the 49ers going forward. And even... Tight end George Kittle. He posted a little photo on his Instagram saying, let's run it back, number 10. And maybe in response to some of the rumors he's hearing, he's like, nah, man, Jimmy Garoppolo's our guy. Let's do this. Jeff Wilson, backup running back for the 49ers, even talking to Sports Illustrated, said it's ludicrous, the idea that the 49ers would move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. So there's that. That's a non-story. It's fun to talk about in a slow news portion of the season as we wait for free agency and the collective bargaining agreement to come through. But Tom Brady to the 49ers is very much a myth. While there's not a lot of news to talk about in the collective bargaining agreement holding things up and the franchise tag deadline moved to March 12th, the 49ers are working behind the scenes and they might be trying to get extensions done with multiple players. One of those free agent defensive lineman Eric Armstead. And the franchise tag deadline has been moved out to March 12th. And it would seem like that's now the deadline for the 49ers to figure out if they can get a long-term deal done that makes sense for the team. And it might have to be a pretty team-friendly deal for that to happen with how much money Eric Armstead could potentially make on the open market. And if they can't figure something out, I think the 49ers will have to make that decision and potentially tag Eric Armstead, maybe allow him to talk to some other teams and find out what they're willing to pay him. Maybe they can find a team that's willing to give up a, a premium draft pick for the right to sign Eric Armstead. And we'll look at defensive linemen today, and man, the draft is not 
good at the edge position or really along the defensive line at all this year. So that might make Eric Armstead very valuable in potentially a trade market. And a lot of teams might be looking at this and thinking, man, we can't get anybody as close to Eric Armstead in even the first round. So giving up a second round pick for Armstead is a no-brainer for us. And on the same token, maybe it hurts the 49ers to move on from him because they can't replace that talent in the draft because it's not a great draft to do so. So it could go either way there with Eric Armstead. And all reports all offseason long have been that Eric Armstead wants to stay. The 49ers want to try to figure out a way to make that happen with the salary cap and the other players that the 49ers have to resign, how much money and resources they already have in the defensive line. It might prove to be too difficult, but at least the sides are talking, trying to figure out if the 49ers can make Eric Armstead a long-term member of the team. And he had such a great season and he definitely deserves to cash in in 2020. But will that be with the 49ers? That remains to be seen. Let's talk combine. Let's talk defensive linemen from the combine. That weak class I mentioned. And the guy who headlines the class, Chase Young out of Ohio State, the next in a line of just monster pass rushers and defensive ends out of Ohio State, the Bosa brothers, and now Chase Young. And Chase Young, more athletic than the Bosa brothers, put up phenomenal numbers there, and is most likely going to be the number two overall pick in the NFL draft to Washington, unless something crazy happens with trades and the quarterbacks up top after uh, Cincinnati looks to be pretty locked into Joe Burrow at number one overall. But Chase Young didn't even work out, even though he probably would have blown up the combine. Uh, He didn't want to risk anything, did not work out at the combine. And that left a very pedestrian group. And even those guys that are considered first rounders didn't really show up and blow anybody away. Uh, Let's start with, I guess we have to start with the losers because I think that's what the 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 class aren't collectively losers, but you know what I'm saying here. There was a lot of losers as far as workouts in the combine and looking at these guys physically. I think number one on well, let's start actually because we just mentioned Eric Armstead. And if you're trying to find somebody, you're the 49ers at pick 31. You're thinking, okay, who could who could be there on the board that we let Eric Armstead go? Maybe we tag and trade him. Who can we replace him with? on a one-for-one basis in this NFL draft. And to me, there's only one guy that really stands out as sort of that big end that might be able to kick inside, rush from inside, powerful, strong hands, not supremely athletic, not going to beat offensive tackles around the edge and collect sacks that way, but powerful, uses hands, uses his length, and that is Iowa's A.J. Epinesa. And Epinesa has been mocked a lot very early in the draft, uh, top half of the first round, at least mid-first round, a lot, I think, after the combine now. We're going to start to see him slide a little bit. It helps A.J. Epinesa that the the draft is not strong at his position, so a team might have to reach if they want one of these top players just because there's not a lot of great ones there. But to me, he's a borderline, maybe not even a first-round talent when you look at what he's got because... His and and actually his and why why I say he's maybe the only guy who fits on a one-for-one comparison to what Eric Armstead was coming out of college. Armstead was much bigger, but they put up very similar workout numbers. In fact, at 6'5", 275, which is two inches shorter, 15 pounds lighter than Eric Armstead was the combine. I think Armstead, what, 292. So 17 pounds lighter than Armstead was at the combine a few years ago. 
Evanessa actually has longer arms than Armstead did at 6'7". Uh, Evanessa, 6'5", 275, 34 and a half inch long arms, which is very long, big hands, and, and that's his strength. Con- controlling offensive line with his hands, big long arms, and being a power defensive end could maybe rush from inside. That's why I think if the 49ers were looking to replace Armstead with a similar player, you know, not identical. Eric Armstead's an oddly shaped player, you know, a rare 6'7", 290 that can move like he can, uh, that can still pressure the quarterback a little bit, even though it's more of a disruptor and not a true edge pass rusher. But a power defensive end, A.J. Epinesa might be that guy, but man, he did not work out well for a pure defensive end. So I think teams might let him slip because they don't see a guy who's going to beat tackles one-on-one and go collect sacks. And Eric Armstead wasn't that guy either throughout his career. And in fact, his best asset is his ability to set the edge on early downs, then move inside and rush from the interior. And and A.J. Epinesa could probably be that guy in the NFL as well. But he had a 504 40-yard dash, only 17 bench press reps with his long arms, 32 and a half inch vertical, which is okay. And uh, broad jump was pretty good. And in fact, his broad jump was exactly identical to Eric Armstead's. And Eric Armstead, a little bit quicker three cone than Armstead, a little bit quicker 20 yard shuttle. So, you know, slightly quicker, not quite as big and powerful as Armstead. AJ Epinesa is a name to remember at the end of the first round if the 49ers want to go into the defensive line and get a power defensive end. So stock definitely down for Epinesa. And he might not even get selected in the first round after all. And Epinesa was supposed to be maybe the second defensive end off the board in this class. And I don't know if he's even got a first round grade at this point. So that tells you where this class lacks at that position. Who are some of the other edge players potentially that could go early? We'll talk about some of them, some more winners and losers along the defensive line. And we'll get into some linebackers and, of course, a little mailbag segment on today's show. Stick with edge, guys. So you don't want a big power, slow plotting end. You want a fast edge pass rusher. There's maybe a couple of guys who are in the first round conversation there, but neither one of them worked out. And one of them actually uh, was with the linebacker group. He's so small. And and actually, there's a couple of guys like that that are very tweener-ish. And and there's not been a lot of success with those style of players in the NFL in recent history. And they've dropped a little bit. We saw Harold Landry fall into the second round, and he's not got much of a different height, weight, speed than Kalevon Chason out of LSU, who people are routinely mocking in the top 20 of drafts. And specifically, I see him a lot to the Atlanta Falcons. And I don't know if the Falcons want to go down that road again. They just did that with Vic with Vic Beasley, who's probably the closest comp to Chason. And Chason only had nine career sacks, and you want to draft him as an edge, undersized pass rusher when he only had six and a half sacks last year. Harold Landry fell to the second round a few years ago. He had more sacks in one year than Chason's had in his whole career, and he still fell into the second round because he was an undersized edge guy, and it's not a fit for every team to have that multiple front with stand-up edge rushers. Most defensive coordinators and, and coaches like to have a big prototype, long defensive end that can play every down. So Chason's not going to be for everybody, and he didn't work out, but he did measure up at 6'3", even 254 pounds. So an undersized edge player that could play a little bit of off-ball linebacker, not super long arms, 32 and a quarter. It's not ideal. You want those big, long 33, 34-inch arms for your edge pass rushers. And he didn't do any of the drills. He's going to save that for LSU's Pro Day, which I'm sure he'll run well, and he'll look like he has the athleticism to play off-ball. He did a little bit of both. He was in coverage sometimes. He rushed the passer pretty well, but didn't do it, you know, obviously at a high productive level at LSU either. So I don't know what to think about Chase on and how teams are going to think about him. The weakness of the class might 
help a team and his athleticism. We'll see what it looks like at LSU's Pro Day, but should be great. And maybe that'll help solidify him as a first-round player, but I don't even know where to expect Chase on to go in this draft, but he could potentially be the, the number two edge guy after Chase Young. And maybe the guy who helped himself, even though he didn't work out either, Yeter Gross Matos from Penn State. And the best thing he did at the Combine was just weigh in and... He didn't work out, so that means he didn't run slow. So he didn't hurt his stock, even though you have to question, okay, why didn't he work out? Did he not expect to run great times? But he's the only guy that potentially is more of an athletic prototype edge rusher, but has some length and size that teams are looking for. So if I had to put money on it right now, not knowing what his workouts are going to look like, the fact that he just showed up at 6'5", 266, with almost 35-inch arms, He did do the jumps, which were pretty good. 34-inch vertical, 10-foot broad jump. He didn't run 40 or anything like that. But just doing that, showing some explosive ability with the jumps, not out of this world, but okay. Prototype, edge rusher, speed rusher type size. My money's on Gross Matos being the number two edge rusher off the board. But even then, I still don't know how high he's going to go because you see him late round one, even round two in a lot of places. And if he's there at 31 for the 49ers and they do either uh, let Armstead walk or or do a tag and trade with Armstead, I'm, I'm all about that right now. And we'll see what the full scouting report is and I have more work to do. But Yeter Gross Matos is a name that uh, in this edge class might be a, a person that goes a lot higher than people expect just because of how this... Poor defensive end class looks and how he might be able to take advantage of that as one of the few prototype uh, long athletic edge rushers in this class after Chase Young, who's going to go very early. A few other guys looked pretty good and, and showed off a little bit of athleticism on the defensive line class at the edge. And it starts with James Smith Williams, who might be a little bit of fool's gold out of NC State. Uh, I, I put on the tape after he worked out because he had a r- ridiculous combine. He ran a 4'6 flat at 6'4", 265 pounds. And, I mean, 28 bench press reps, 32-inch vertical, nice broad jump. He just had an amazing combine workout, first-round type physical abilities. But he didn't pl- even play that much at North Carolina State in his career and didn't have a ton of production, so I wanted to go back and see what he looked like, and he didn't look that great. And so if he, if he gets drafted to his numbers, and he's not a he's not projected to be a, a high draft pick or anything, but if, if he goes from day three to day two because of those workout numbers, a team might be a little bit disappointed. But if he is there on day three and he's there late, maybe a project, somebody that you like all of his physical ability, maybe you could coach him into something at the next level. But uh, he definitely was not that player in college from the tape I saw, but had a phenomenal combine to make teams go back and maybe take a closer look at James Smith Williams. Florida's Jabari Zanuga had a nice 4-6-4 40 times. Someone that's probably got a little helium in this class, 6'3", 264 pounds. Alton Robinson out of Syracuse. He had a nice little week. I think he did okay at the Senior Bowl, 6'3", 264, and has a little bit of juice off the edge, but I don't think he's going to be a first or second rounder, but maybe third round range. Start talking about him. Nice combine, 46940, 35.5 inch vertical, and uh, he can bring you a little bit of heat off the edge. Slightly undersized because he's not super long, 6'3, 32 inch arms, but the weight is there, and he's not necessarily small, but not ideal lengthwise. Uh, taking a look at the defensive tackle class. 
And the top guys there, one of the top guys, Javon Kinlaw, who had a fantastic senior bowl, did not work out at all. So no workout numbers for him, but, I mean, he looks the part. He's big and long and 6'5 and 320 pounds. And the other guy that's 6'5 and 320 pounds, or even I think he might be 330 pounds, but did not have a good combine uh, workout was probably the guy who's been mocked most common and still could be the second defensive lineman off the board, and that is Derek Brown out of Auburn. 6'5", 326, ran a 5.16. Look, that's not a terrible time, and defensive tackles aren't going to be running 40 yards down the field in a straight line very often anyway. So, you know, the the 40-yard the, the dash is actually not bad for Derek Brown, and it's not a worry at all, but he looked like a dancing bear on film. He looks like one of those guys that's like, man, unblockable, and he's powerful, and he's quick, and he's got great moves, but then you would hope to see more from his workout numbers, and not very good, very pedestrian, 27-inch vertical jump, the worst three-cone time I think I saw at the combine, 8-2-2, which is like, tells me that maybe he didn't even practice it, because if he practiced that drill and still ran that poorly, even though he's a really big, powerful guy, that's a that's not the greatest sign for for Derek Brown so I don't know if he necessarily helped his stock I don't I mean I I know he didn't help his stock I don't know if he necessarily hurt his stock much maybe he drops from being potentially a pick between 6 and 10 overall to between 10 and 15 overall so maybe he does drop a few spots but it's not he's going to drop out of the first round or anything like that Uh, it's Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw I think are still those top two defensive tackles maybe Kinlaw has a chance to go ahead of him now, depending on how Kinlaw works and it looks in his workouts, but a good offseason for Kinlaw so far without seeing him move around and run and do drills yet. Derek Brown still has great tape, still was a dominant force in the interior of Auburn's defense last year, but definitely didn't help himself with those workouts and uh, looked pretty sluggish, the big man did in Derek Brown out of Auburn. Somebody who did not look sluggish despite being over 300 pounds is... Neville Gallimore. He ran faster than a lot of defensive ends. Out of Oklahoma, Neville Gallimore ran a 47940 at 6'2, 304 pounds. You see a guy who's 6'2, 304, you're thinking, okay, that's a nose tackle. Like that's just flat out a nose tackle. But he can bring a little bit more as a pass rusher and has a little bit more juice and could be an interior disruptor. You know, 47940 is really good for a 300 pound dude. And so, you know. I don't know if I want to draft him in the first round necessarily. He might sneak into the first round, but day two area, Neville Gallimore is a name to watch. Someone who could be a force on the inside, play a little bit of, you know, that one technique for say a 49ers defense, play some three technique as well. Athletic interior rusher, Neville Gallimore from Oklahoma helped himself. Nice little workout there. Alex Highsmith out of Charlotte, small school guy, Worked out well, 6'3", 248. You would expect an undersized defensive end to to work out pretty well. 4'7", 40. Nice jumps. Let's see who else. Oh, Justin Matabuike out of Texas A&M. Interior defensive lineman, 6'3", 293. Weight-wise, someone to look at for an interior guy to replace potentially Eric Armstead. Doesn't have quite the length, but could absolutely uh, play some outside defensive end, some power in for you, move around, you know, a flexible piece, but mo- most likely a three technique type of a guy. Ran a 483, 31 bench press reps, moved really well, 7373 three cone, looked good in drills. So uh, Justin Matabuike out of Texas A&M, I think really helped himself. 
I want to get to the mailbag, but the one more loser here, actually, that I forgot about it, man, this is just not a great edge class. And he was a pretty productive guy in college out of Utah. Bradley and I had a good senior bowl week. He's a try hard guy. He's going to keep coming with effort. But man, for an undersized pass rusher, 6'3", 257, short arms, and ran a 4'9", 340. And I watched him trying to get after Justin Herbert. We saw Herbert run a nice little 4'6", 940 time. I mean, he's just running circles around this guy defensive end. He couldn't corral him. And we saw how many problems the 49ers had with really athletic quarterbacks. And you've got to be able to set the edge. You can't let a quarterback run circles around you and, and run free when they get out and get loose. And Bradley and I, it just, it just does not have enough juice for me as a pass rusher. But I, I like the effort. I like the way he plays. If he's there super late, give him a shot. But uh, he definitely hurt himself. And I just don't see a player that you could draft beyond day three to me. Okay, just a quick note on linebackers, little mailbag coming up. I don't know how in the market the 49ers will be for an off-ball linebacker. I mentioned some of the tweener types that could be linebacker, could play edge in the NFL. Zach Bond, I thought, might have been one of those guys, and he had a, a decent workout at the Combine, but he's so small, 6'2", 238. I mean, he's he can't be an edge guy really in the NFL beyond... I mean, he's going to have to make his money being an off-ball linebacker. Looks athletic enough, 4.65, time. Looks pretty good in the other drills. Has some explosive ability. If he was just 20 pounds heavier, maybe an inch tall, you know, he just needs more length, 32-inch arms. He's not someone who's going to be an every-down edge player. He can move up, can rush from a, a two-point stance, I'm sure, and, and give you some pass rush, but he's going to have to play off-ball linebacker. So Zach Bond, Wisconsin, I mean, 6'2", took 38. That's not even that big for an off-ball linebacker, let alone an edge player. So I, I don't know where he's going to fit. I think he's probably a second-round guy. I've seen him in the first round of some mock drafts. I like the player. I like his effort. Don't know where to put him. Definitely one of those tweeners who's going to have to play a traditional linebacker on most downs in the NFL, I think. Um, obviously, the guy who blew up the combine is Justin Simmons, and he solidified himself as a slam-dunk top-10 pick I mean, when you are 6'4", 238, and run a 4'3", and move the way he does, he could play safety, he could play linebacker. Those two positions are kind of becoming one in the NFL these days anyway. I mean, what's truly the difference between a weak side linebacker and a strong safety in, in nickel packages these days? It's not that different. So just a true weapon. I mean, think about a player who could cover George Kittle, who could also spy Lamar Jackson, who could cover... Christian McCaffrey coming out of the backfield. I mean, he's a pretty rare specimen. So uh, definitely a physical freak there. William Gay Jr. had a fantastic combine and 6'1", 243, 4'4", Definitely helped himself out, probably um, solidified himself as a day two pick, 39 and a half inch vertical. And if it wasn't for how crazy Simmons looked at the combine, a lot of people would be talking about how Willie Gay was one of the biggest winners from the combine maybe a late round tweener stand-up pass rusher type I don't know if he fits what the 49ers do there's some off-field stuff to check out and he didn't even work out but six four and a half 235 pounds Tipa Galea and I think he's somebody who could maybe surprise as a day three guy edge player from Utah State I think he bounced out of another college I can't remember which one but uh, just you know, day three, someone who could maybe give you some juice off the edge, maybe bulk him up a little bit to be an every down defensive end. I don't think he's going to play off ball linebacker, even though he worked out with the linebackers. Uh, the other two guys who could be early picks could potentially be 
on the board and one of the top players at pick 31. It's Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma and it is Patrick Queen from LSU. Both guys, athletic linebackers, fit the modern prototype at linebacker. Queen, undersized, 6 feet, 229 pounds, ran a 4.5 flat, and Kenneth Murray helped himself bigger, more prototype, 6'2", 241, and ran a 4.52. So a great day for Kenneth Murray at the Combine. I threw out a question out there, complete speculation as we get into the mailbag portion of today's show and I want to hit, hit a couple questions here but I put out a question on Twitter and I was blown away by some of the answers and it was is a complete hypothetical very unlikely to ever happen but in the case that the Carolina Panthers were to tear the whole thing down and it looks like they might be headed in that direction they're trading away good players it doesn't sound like they want to sign a lot of their best players if they do a, a bit of a tank job like we started to see from Miami and it sounds like Their new head coach, Matt Rule, has a seven-year contract, very safe to go through a major rebuild, and it could be a complete teardown. New ownership there on board with that idea. Does it make sense to have a running back in his prime during a rebuild like Christian McCaffrey, or would you be smart to utilize that position, that running back especially, to get some more picks and quicken up the pace of that rebuild. I'm not saying it's likely, but in the event he was made available, I put it out on Twitter to see what people would be willing to give up in trade if Christian McCaffrey was on the trade market. I have no doubt that Kyle Shanahan would be into it and would do whatever it took to get somebody like that, I think, because we've seen how he values running backs. And in fact, if you look at what they're already paying their running backs, including their fullback, it's as much as any team pays running backs in the entire NFL. So Kyle Shanahan wants to put resources at running back. Whether I would do that or not is a different story. I definitely would not. I wouldn't have signed Coleman for the money. I wouldn't have signed Jarek McKinnon for the money. I wouldn't be throwing out first-round picks for Christian McCaffrey, most likely. But if there was a player, if you're going to pay running backs, and this was a great point brought up by somebody on Twitter, if you're going to pay a running back, at least pay a great one, right? So that makes sense. And somebody who could absolutely thrive in Kyle Shanahan's offense, and it's that value as a pass catcher, which makes it easier for me. But everything from no, Kyle Shanahan can get absurd production from undrafted free agents. I wouldn't give up anything for Christian McCaffrey to, I'll give up everything it takes. I'll give up multiple first rounders. It was amazing to see the difference in um, the different ideas and what people would be willing to do, not willing to do to go get someone like Christian McCaffrey. It was an interesting thought experiment, as unlikely as it is, and, you know, in a total hypothetical, but it was fun to see what some of those answers were. Uh, I want to go to Justin on Twitter. He said, who are the core 49ers that are keeping for the long haul? Meaning they will 100% get long-term deals. Jimmy, George, Debo, Bosa, DeForest Buckner. Do you agree? Can't always pay everyone. No, and that's what the 49ers have to figure out right now, which is why I think that Eric Armstead, it makes too much sense. If a team is willing to give you a second round pick, you have to tag and trade Eric Armstead. You can't put $60 million into your defensive line and when two of the guys on your list there, DeForest Buckner and Nick Bosa, are going to make so much money, I don't think even D. Ford is long-term for the 49ers. They have to figure out and and try to attack, which is what is unfortunate about this poor defensive end class because I might let Armstead walk and try to draft a first-round defensive end and then you can let D. Ford go next year and, and still have a very strong pass rush. Um, but 
you nailed him. Debo, Jimmy Garoppolo's already got a long-term deal, so and he could he could get extended. That would make some sense. He could probably help the 49ers get some more cap space this year to do some other things, but I think you nailed him. And that's it. Kittle, your quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, Debo still has a few years to go, and we'll see, but he's looking like he might be one of the long-term mainstays for you. Uh, you got Mike McGlinchey on the offensive line, DeForest Buckner, and Bosa. I mean, yeah, I, I'm with you, Justin. I think that is the core, and you're right. You can't pay everybody. Jake wants to know, you were talking about Michael Pittman Jr. being a day-two pick. Do you think he has hurt his draft stock with some older traditional GMs and scouting departments that he posts regular YouTube vlogs? Uh, I can't answer that, Jake, because, well, first of all, no, I don't think so, but I haven't seen these YouTube vlogs, and I had no idea he was doing it. And uh, unless he's putting something out there that's terrible, I don't see how it could hurt anything at all. I mean, these guys are everywhere on social media as it is. So if you're not drafting guys who are putting videos and, and photos of themselves out there and doing all kinds of stuff on social media and putting themselves out there, uh, then you're not drafting anybody. So I don't think it will hurt him at all unless he's putting something out there that's bad. And I haven't seen any of his videos, so I don't know what they look like. So I don't think so, Jake. Uh, I've got some other questions here about what to do at pick 31 and some hypothetical positions and players that'll be there. We're out of time here, but uh, Beans, Steve, Adrian, I see all of your tweets See some emails too. I'll get to them tomorrow. Talking defensive backs from the combine right here. Locked on 49ers.